Welcome to the Hutto Community Church Podcast. HCC is located in Hutto, Texas, and is led by Pastor Russell Daniel. For more information, please check out our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. All right, church, as we dive in, we're going to be talking this Christmas season about several of the men and groups of men surrounding the Christmas story. And today we're going to kick it off right and talk about Joseph, Jesus' earthly father. Now, there's not a whole lot of scripture about Joseph, okay? So you've got uh, very little scripture in Matthew. He's mentioned over in Luke 1 and 2 very briefly. He's not mentioned in the book of Mark at all, and he's only uh, referred to in the, in the gospel of John. So there's not a whole lot written about Joseph. Yet, when we look at the scripture here in Matthew chapter 1, I think that what we're going to say is what is there ought to radically challenge you and I to live a different kind of life. Joseph lived a life that's not a glamorous one. It's not one that we would uh, post about on Instagram all over the place, yet I think it directly challenges you and I to be better followers of Christ. So let's go ahead and dive in today. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph... Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her uh, not until she had given birth to a son, and they called his name Jesus. Now, I want us to kind of imagine for a little bit. Put yourself in the position of Mary and Joseph. So here they are. They're this random couple of no importance. They live in Nazareth. They uh, are doing the thing that everybody else does in their day and time. They work, they're going to get married, she's going to have kids, and they're going to live out their entire lives in Nazareth. Except for the fact that Mary shows up pregnant. Now, you can imagine how that conversation went, right? Uh, so she would come to Joseph and say, uh, uh, Joseph, I have something to tell you. An angel came to me and I'm going to be pregnant, and it's going to be the Lord's child, but I haven't been with anybody else. And uh, you can imagine Joseph's reaction. And he would say, yeah, okay, listen, nobody's heard from the Lord in over 400 years. We haven't had any prophets. And I saw a cow jump over the moon last night, so you can get lost. Right? I mean, that's the kind of conversation that you would think would happen. There's no way Joseph is going to believe this. This is outrageous. This is what, uh, you know, I mean, here's Mary, 
And <laughs> I mean, you could just think like, okay, now she's sleeping with somebody else. Now she's lying to me about it and she's blaming it all on God. So she's crazy too. We're going to end this. And you can imagine how Joseph would have felt. And, and so he's got a great dilemma before him, right? Because there's a lot of things he's got to think about. Number one, it's a small town. He's got to think about his reputation. He's a carpenter. He's a builder. If word gets out about Mary, what's going to happen to his business and his livelihood? What's going to happen to Mary? Uh, of course, you know, in that day and time, nobody ever got pregnant out of wedlock. And if you did, you were outcast from society. So he's got to think about her. Now, the biggest deal is, according to the Old Testament law in the book of Deuteronomy, Joseph has every right to take her before the town council and to have her stoned to death because she is pregnant out of wedlock. And it wasn't Joseph. So he's got a great dilemma on his hands. He has a whole lot to think about here as he considers what to do. Now, we see that, uh, secondly, that Joseph's decision here. As he's thinking about all of these things, I love what the scripture says, um, that he was a, uh, I'm sorry, verse, verse 19, Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now notice, the scripture says that he would divorce her, but they were engaged. So in this day and time, engagement worked a little bit differently. Engagement for them was essentially marriage, except they hadn't slept together. So in order to break up this relationship, you had to officially be divorced. So that's a really big deal. Now, again, what I love about Joseph is that he was unwilling to put her to shame. So here it is. It's within his power to say, get lost, woman, get out of here, be gone with you. He could have publicly shamed her, and he would have had every right to do that. He could have taken her before the town council and had her literally put to death. And he had every right to do that. Yet, he didn't. And what a lesson for you and for me. Even when it is within our power, and we have every right to uh, perhaps maybe bring charges against someone else, or maybe to publicly shame somebody for what they have done, or to rightly just kind of gossip about a person who has wronged us, we don't have to do that. And Joseph sets a really awesome example for us by deciding that he's not going to do any of that. Instead, what he's going to do is he's going to keep everything under the table and he's going to quietly put Mary away and say, hey, this is just not going to work. Let's end our relationship. Let's be divorced and move on with life. He has no desire to publicly shame her because he is a righteous man. Now, as Joseph was pondering his decision, one night an angel comes to him. And so we look at verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from, his, from their sins. So here we have a whole lot that goes on. One night, Joseph is thinking this whole thing over. He's praying about it. He's got this big dilemma. He thinks he knows what he's going to do. He's about ready to act, and God shows up. 
in a dream. One of the things I love is that God speaks to people in various ways and at various times through ways that they know that it is the Lord speaking to them. And for Joseph, that was in a dream. And he says, listen, what Mary told you, it's the truth. My Holy Spirit has come upon her and she is conceived and she will have a son. And you need to understand that. So, number one, you need to take her as your wife. You need to know you're going to have a son. And number two, number three, you're going to call his name Jesus. You're going to call his name Jesus. And so in the middle of his dilemma, I was thinking about this. You could use a, a lot of D words in this. In his dilemma, as he was delaying, as he was deliberating, whatever you want to say there, God showed up at the very perfect time. That's just like God, isn't it? We don't think that's the right time. We think God is too late. Uh, God could have showed up earlier, but God is always on time. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Before Joseph could move and divorce Mary, God showed up right on time. And so then we see the third thing, and that's Joseph's response. Look at verses 24 and 25. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph obeyed. Joseph obeyed to the nth degree. And what I love is Joseph's humility. You think about this for a second. This is about to be the best time in Joseph's life. He's engaged to the woman of his dreams. He's about to get married and go on that wonderful honeymoon. <laughs> you guys. And life is going to be great. They're going to come back. They're going to build a life. They're going to achieve all their hopes and dreams. And then God shows up and says, no, no cancel that plan. We're not doing that. Instead, I've got a different assignment for you, Joseph. In fact, uh, instead of going through all of this, I, I'm going to subject you to public shame. And people are going to know that your wife, Mary, is pregnant before you guys get married. Except she's not going to be with somebody else. She's going to be pregnant because I've caused her to get pregnant. And then, by the way, you're going to have to take a 70-mile journey on foot to Bethlehem right before she gives birth. I mean, in the ninth <coughs> month, right? I've got a hard assignment for you, Joseph. And it takes great humility for him to accept this assignment from the Lord. But he does so willingly, and he perfectly obeys what the Lord asks of him. And I think that's such a great challenge for you and for me in a time when, when we're supposed to be living our best life and Instagram, this and that, and I don't have anything against Instagram or social media. But as believers in Christ... That's not what God has called us to. He's called us to live a life of obedience and a life of humility. And if we'll follow Him and be obedient when He leads us and when He guides us, then He'll take us through all the ups and downs in life. And so I just, I think it's a great challenge. It's a challenge for me to live a, a humble life, to trust and obey when there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. 
So here's this short little story that's leading into the birth of Jesus. So what are we to learn from it? Well, first, I think we need to see that we all have problems. Everybody's got problems. Mary and Joseph had a a really big problem that was growing out of her belly and everyone was going to know about before they got married. We have problems, don't we? We have work dilemmas. Should I tell a little bit of a lie so that I can get ahead? So that Should I fudge the numbers a little bit so I please the boss? Should I um, tell a little wide lie to a customer so that I can get their business? We have financial problems. I mean, inflation is crazy. Money is short. Times are changing. I mean, that doesn't even begin to talk about the political situation, whatever you want to think about that. It's a problem either way. We all have problems. We have uh, relational issues. We have problems at work. Problems with people we work with. We have problems in our faith. Sometimes it's a struggle to believe that God is good, that He's going to be there for us. Sometimes it seems like God has forgotten about us. He showed up too late, and He doesn't care anymore. That's not true, but we all have issues that we've got to face. But yet, out of all the issues that we have, our biggest issue, the one that we all face, you and me both, is sin. And that is exactly what Jesus came for. It's why he came to earth. It's why he was born in that manger on that cold winter's night. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That is why Jesus came. Your sin is your biggest problem. It is your biggest threat to your life in more ways than one. Sin is a, 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 it causes physical problems, doesn't it? We talked about this last week as we finished our study on James, how sin can physically make us sick. It can bring on uh, disease and uh, colds and all, all different kinds of things. When we are disobedient to the Lord, sin causes sickness. I mean, if sin leads to death, then of course the middle ground is sickness. I mean, it causes us mental problems, doesn't it? As we struggle over right and wrong, and Proverbs talks about this, the the wise man will follow the way of the Lord, yet the foolish man will participate in sin. And of course, it affects us emotionally. I mean, we get caught up in things of the world and and, and we're going this way and we're really drawn to what's over here and this, this one thing, whatever that one thing may be, and we're emotionally tied to it, yet God is calling us away and it, it, it causes emotional tension within our lives. I mean, sin can be devastating, not only physically, mentally, and emotionally, but spiritually. And that's the biggest deal of all. That, that's why Jesus came, so that he could repair our broken spiritual relationship with the Father. Because if he doesn't, if he doesn't come to earth, if he's not the sacrifice for your sins and my sins, then we are eternally separated from God. And so he came to redeem us. He came to make us right. And I just love that because of Joseph's obedience his humility and willingness to accept the lot that God had for him. I mean, he chose him for a very special position and that paved the way for our Savior to be born in that stable in Bethlehem so he could grow up to be a man and he could die on the cross for your sins and for my sins. Paul would say in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 that salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Because of Joseph's obedience, Jesus was able to come. 
I love that all of the names that are mentioned in this passage. You see in verse 18, he says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ. And then, of course, the angel commands that you shall name him Jesus. We have Emmanuel from the Old Testament. And so there's all, all kinds of different names, and I just kind of want to tie those together uh, uh, briefly here. The name Jesus means Savior, okay? And it comes from the Hebrew name Joshua. And so it was a very common name in their culture for boys to be named Joshua. Uh, but Mary's boy was called Jesus the Christ. And Christ is just the Greek form of the Hebrew word Messiah, which means anointed one. And then you have the Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And so we see that Jesus, who is very God, clothed in the flesh, is the Savior of the world who came to save us from our sins. I love what Jesus said in uh, John 12 and 27. He said, right before he went to the cross, he said, now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very hour that I came. So right at the end, Jesus reflecting on his life, saying all of my life has built to this very point that I might be the savior of the world, that I might die, that I might be the sacrifice for your sins, that you might have right relationship with God once again. I think a second thing we see is that God's timing is perfect. God's timing is always perfect. Now, when you're in the middle of a trial or tribulation, it never seems like God's timing is perfect, ever. God is always late, at least in my book anyway. Rarely early, always late, never on time. Yet, when you look at the story of Christmas, you look at how Rome ruled really most of the, um, most of the world at that point. What did they do? They built roads everywhere they went. The gospel could travel fast along those roads. Greek was the language. Everybody knew it. Again, there's no communication issues. The gospel can travel fast. God in his divine providence ordered Caesar to order his people to conduct a census, which drew Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to be in Bethlehem like the prophet Micah said in Micah 5.2, at the exact right time. God was conducting all of the events of the world to come together at the perfect time. Yet even in Mary and Joseph's life, for them individually, he was directing their lives at the exact right moment. And if God cares about all the events of the world, yet we see he cares about Mary and Joseph and their life and how their lives are weaved into God's divine plan, then He cares about your life and how your life is weaved into His divine plan. God's timing is perfect. Whenever I think about His perfect timing, I'm reminded back to my high school days. When I was a, a in between my junior and senior year that summer, uh, we went to a, a church camp and uh, at the end of that church camp, our youth pastor, whose name was Michael Hale, came to our youth group and said, hey guys, um, I'm leaving, surprise. And he was about to get married to a wonderful young lady in our church, and they were about to go off and start their life together. 
And so Russell went into freak out mode. Our youth group had just been building and growing, and we were uh, really a tight-knit group of folks, and people were being reached, and lives were being changed, and I thought, this is all going to fall apart. What's going what's to happen to our youth group? And then I went into fix-it mode and started thinking about all the different things that we would do to fix it. And long story short, not two weeks later, a good-looking young man and his wife and newborn child walked into First Baptist Church Hillsboro on a Sunday night. Now, when a young couple walks into a Baptist church on a Sunday night, you know they're for real. And that was their first time. They had been walking around uh, the neighborhood. Her parents lived in town. And they saw the church and saw the historical marker out front and thought, I wonder what's going on in this church. And they showed up. And so since they're the young couple that showed up on Sunday night, everybody kind of goes this, you know, and comes around them. And again, to make a really long story short, God had miraculously saved him from a bombing in Iraq. He was in the army and God spared his life in that. He was transported to Germany. He was supposed to have surgery on his eardrum that had been completely blown out. He was deaf in that ear. God brought back his hearing, gave him his hearing back miraculously before, um, before surgery happened. And somehow he made a deal with the army that he would go to school at Southwestern and pursue his Masters of Divinity. And then after that, he would go and serve the army as a chaplain. And I don't know, because the army doesn't make deals like that, but God divinely set that up. And so within a week, he was our youth pastor. God's timing is perfect. He knows what he's doing. He's connecting dots all across the globe. And so when you think God has forgotten about you, remember the timing in Joseph's life. God's timing for him was perfect, and God's timing for you will be perfect. I think the last thing that we see today is that we should obey God with precision. This is exactly what Joseph did. When the angel of the Lord came to him and he spoke to him very directly, he said, take Mary as your wife because you're going to have a son and you're to name him Jesus. He did exactly that. And folks, I, I bet Joseph couldn't read. In that day and time, it's probably really unlikely. Probably couldn't read the Old Testament scriptures. Here we have the full word of God. And you and I can all read very well. And scripture is really pretty clear about nearly everything in our life and how we're supposed to live. And so our task is simply to obey God with precision and align our lives with his word. And we're to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because He's working in some of your lives. He's asking you to do things. He's preparing you for the future. And He's asking you to join Him in that. And so I just gently encourage you this Christmas season, will you begin to obey God fully? I know most of you are doing your, your very best and you're that far off. Yet that far off sends you to an eternal place called hell, away from him. So we thank God for Jesus. We thank God for his saving grace and his blood that was shed for you and for me. 
And so because of what he has done for us, may we align our lives with him. Once again, I just love the example that Joseph sets for us. An incredibly humble guy who accepted a role, a less than glorious role in life. Probably one of the most significant figures in Scripture. Yet hardly anything is written about him. And I just wonder if maybe the world doesn't need more Josephs. More men and women who would lay aside their lives and their hopes and their dreams and all the things that the world offers you and me and would just say, you know what? I'm going to humbly live my life for Christ. I don't need any glory. I don't need any fame. But I just want to be faithful. I just want to be faithful with my life. So at the end of my days, I might hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. May we be more like Joseph. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or visit our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.